Off the Bench on OTB Sports Radio, Ireland's first and only sports radio station. Welcome back to our Ich Nolak Naman programme, our special show today brought to you by Lidl, supporting the LGFA and work done at grassroots and ladies football. Now we're moving on to our special Lidl LGFA panel and it is ladies football between now and the next round. God knows whatever else we're going to be talking about. I'm joined here by Tipperary uh, woman Ashing Maloney, Carla Rowe from Dublin and National Development Manager of the LGFA, Lynn Savage. And Ashing, am I right in saying you're also a Lidl ambassador? You go around preaching um, the gospel. I think I am, and I'm trying to do a bit of it. Um, it's great, though. It's it's a privilege to be involved with Lidl, and it's even better it, at this time with Ladies Football as well. And the way it's going at the minute, it's really going in a positive direction. So it's a massive privilege for me to be even involved with them. It's uh, been a good year for both yourself and Carla. Different grades, but same result at the end of the day. Yeah, I think we're friends now, but I don't know if we're going to be friends <laughs> now on the 26th of January. But... Yeah, look, it was brilliant. We're delighted to be back up senior. Um, we are where we want to be now, but it's up to us now to try to stay there. And I suppose that's going to take an extra effort from everyone back home. But look, we're delighted to be there now and hopefully we can stay where we are. Carla, have you stopped singing yet? Uh, yes. <laughs> when the reality check came that we were going back to training, I think you have to have to put it to the side and realise that's the start of another year and um, start putting in the hard work. The first game is three weeks away against Tipperary, so you get back to it fairly quick. When do you go back to training? Obviously, once obviously the whole celebrations and everything are over, when do you go back? Um, so after we finished with Dublin, our club was still going. So we had club matches up until the start of November. And then from November to December, generally you have nothing. Um, there's a bit of interpose there and you can do your own training. But we're, we're our first session back is tomorrow. So. Oh, <laughs> and what will that entail? Uh, we're in the gym tomorrow night. So I'd say it'll just kind of getting us all back into the the state of mind that we're back training now and um, eating well and I suppose looking after ourselves. And would I be right in saying that I have the perception that the likes of Ken Robinson has your plan individualised so you must eat this amount and you must lift that amount. Is that <laughs> is that the way it's going? Uh, can't give away too much now. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, he, Ken is brilliant. He'd be so good. You come into the gym, he's ready to go. You know what you have to do yourself. So it's really maximising the time that we have. You know, you have an hour in the gym and it's very important. So he's brilliant at that. Same way on the days for warm-ups and our mobilisation, he looks after all of that. And then we have um, Kate McDade is our nutrient is her name is our nutritionist and she's been really good last year coming on board and doing a lot with us so we'll be well looked after and uh, when we get back there now tomorrow does that bother you at all actually hearing all that military and might and ammunition being thrown at Dublin I know I'll, I'll keep right now um, <laughs> I know look Dublin are amazing like obviously they're starting to follow Cork now in their footsteps they've done three in a row so I think it's sorry Carla but it's about time now that someone kind of like Galway Galway no <laughs> Kind of gets up their standard, but look, you need these teams in this competition as well. Like they're setting a the standard for all of us. Like, mm. um, even even though we are playing them in the first round, like probably would prefer not to. But look, it's a lesson for us, and we'll learn an awful lot from it as well. So it's brilliant. Lynn, you're the national development manager, and I know I, I hate to go down the road of talking about women's sport because I just think we're beyond that now. It's just sport. But at the same same time, the growth of LGFA. When you think an organisation that only what began in the nineteen seventies, yeah, nineteen seventy four, and then and the growth and then the speed of the growth over the last few years in particular, the fact that it'd be rare now to come across a little girl who didn't play football. Yeah, definitely the the growth is phenomenal over the last number of years, and I think 
regardless of programmes and everything else, I think girls just want to play football. And a big part of that has been to seeing stars like what's on either side of me here, um, inspiring the young <coughs> girls to actually want to play. And like I think that's what even today is about, is getting to young girls being able to listen to their role models, their heroes throughout the day um, and want to aspire to be them. And I think that's a big thing is, I know, when I was growing up myself, a lot of the times it was it was male role models is all you were seeing. From loud. <laughs> they were from loud. They were from loud, just about, just about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but definitely that's... that's we've just thrown loud into the bin there already, <laughs> Ashling. It's only that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is a huge thing now that they can see their own role models and actually um, want to be them. And I, I think that's a big part of what Lidl has done and TG Cahar putting it on our screens. Um, and the girls as ambassadors in different programmes, they're just going out there now to talk to the kids, to teenagers at their level. Um, and now they're, they're not untouchable. They're people that they can be and become and that's so, so important. And I think the growth's going to continue, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it's the opportunity's there now for any girl who wants to play to, to try and do it. When you probably took on that job at the LGFA, it probably developed and grew into something you probably didn't expect it to on your first day when you sat behind that desk. Yeah, 100%. Um, like I played with Loud myself for 15 years, um, so the, the limbs were done. It was time to, to go a different avenue. But like, did I ever think we'd see the numbers coming through? No. Did I ever think we'd see the numbers in Crow Park? Certainly not. Um, so it definitely has grown into something much different. We've had to think differently as well because although our main remit is to make sure the sport is there for anyone, we have an onus to look after the people who are coming in to play our sport as well. And that's things like looking after youth mental health that we're trying to do through programmes with Lidl. Um, it's, it's different avenues. It's not just now about being able to kick a ball. Yes, it's very, very important that they can do it, but it's that the coaches are looking after the players as people and not just as players. And I think that's so important. You hear the, the routines the girls have to go through. If somebody wasn't looking after them as people, they're not going to excel as players either. So I think how we've had to develop as a sport has had to be very, very different to, to previous years. Yeah, and I think that's probably true of all sports, male or female. People are looking at it more holistically, which is good, but it brings challenges as well. Huge challenges and huge challenges on the type of coaches that are needed. And I know we've tried to change um, pathways and competition structures that maybe were traditional structures and hit major, major barriers because for maybe some of the coaches who were involved, it was very much about win at all costs. And win at all costs at underage does not necessarily mean you're going to have them still playing at all um, at adult level. So they are barriers that we're trying to overcome and frustrations, being honest, in many cases. But we have to stop treating kids as adults and have different pathways and competition structures in place that's applicable to their own age group to ensure they still want to be playing at adult level, um, at whatever level that is for them. Yeah, they were just discussing coaching. They were at a coaching panel the hour before uh, you guys came on board. And that's the thing, isn't it? Um, coaches, a lot of the time they're not trained and it's not their fault. They're doing their best because they're volunteers. They're trying to give a bit of their time and they mightn't be the right person for the role. So it's that's a challenge in itself. It's one's getting the players, but two, getting the right coach and keeping them there. Yeah, getting getting the right coach is key. Um, if you can get the right coach, the the player, whatever sport it is, they'll want to stay in. And I've seen it with my own nephew at the minute, he's playing multiple sports. And the one that he's probably gravitating towards is not necessarily because he's the best playing at it, it's because of the coach uh, that's involved with that team and, and why he wants to do it. So for us, it's that we can get, we have excellent coaches in the sport. We have 
really excellent coaches. You can see that from the girls coming up. But also there's some not so excellent that we, are the ones that we need to keep working with education-wise. But I suppose a big part for that we've worked on over the last number of years is getting a number of players and past players back involved in coach education because they've been that girl and they've known what the challenges were or anything else and maybe the coach listening to them and I mean the things like a girl for teens which is delivered by actual players um, has made a huge difference because now they're saying well okay it's not well, that's research in America or that's research in Australia. It's actually our own girls telling us what's needed. And I think it's so, so important that when we are looking for coaches, and I've said it before, if you can't get a coach for your team, maybe it's better waiting a couple of weeks and getting the right coach rather than just accepting somebody because that could be detrimental to the team that you have. So I think coaching is key. And I'm sure for the girls, they've probably a number of coaches that they'll remember as being the person who instilled something in them to want to keep going. And that, that's so, so important. I'm after seeing both of them there just nodding really, really strongly. I feel like you both have like good coach stories to tell. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose from listening to what Lynn said, um, even it frustrates me so much when I'm training on the field and I hear coaches roaring at younger kids when they're the b below the age of 16. I think as Lynn touched off there, it's all for enjoyment. Carla would probably agree. From going to yeah. schools, you probably see that, that yeah. it's, it needs to be like that. Yeah, and you have to, at that age, you might keep some of the very competitive girls who want that and they want to keep going, like probably myself or Ashling. but I think you have to look at the bigger picture and the bigger picture is to try and keep as many young girls in the sport as possible and by having that really competitive nature at a young age, as I said, you might keep one or two or three, but you might lose 10 or 12. And so being able to just encourage them, let them have fun and enjoy the competition, win or lose, doesn't matter. Um, you'll definitely keep more girls in the sport. Yeah, and let's talk about <coughs> that. I just think about last year in particular it was a great year for football, for the fan watching. I mean, like I said, both of you had great ends to the year very different competitions in one sense, the, the level and that kind of stuff. Different matches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, but this is what I mean now. Ashley, <coughs> you're up with the big girls and that's been dogs. hard for Tipperary. <laughs> is that which? It's been challenging for Tipperary anytime you guys are up against, you know, the yeah. big traditional guns. Like, so what's going to be different this time? Or what have you done? Or is it is it just a suck it and see, see how it goes? Well, like, I think the main difference between junior, intermediate and senior is definitely the pace at which the game is played. Um, even from playing, when we were up senior and from playing Division mm. 1 this year, I just, I, I'm going to go back to Dublin again. We play them in the league. You lose a ball up in the forward line, it's in the back of the net. And it's just that game of inches. And it's something that we need to tweak on now. Like, we probably are playing at a lower place last year pace last year sorry in intermediate and we need to start upping the pace now a bit going into senior but it's going to take a lot more than that I suppose back home in Tipperary like we've been intermediate with the last I don't know how many years I think we've only ever been up senior twice so I think the youth that's there in a the minute we're adamant to become a senior team and to stay there and look whatever comes comes but um, as you're touching off there it's it's up to us to take the initiative amongst ourselves and the coach can only do so much for us so it's up to us girls uh, even watching Carl and them like I'm around DCU and you'd see them like they're setting the standards amongst themselves within the group so we need to, we need to start setting that standard amongst ourselves and then see where it takes us. Does that help you because I know you are in DCU and you're living with people and you're in around Dublin so you see the standard they're at, so you're bringing your own training up to that standard. I mean, in one sense, it must be a killer when you suddenly realise what I thought was working hard mightn't actually be that hard. But then <coughs> you bring that information back to Tipperary. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, even speaking from the girls who are in Australia, like they would have took an awful lot from that environment and brought it home. I know Ashley in particular um, took an awful lot of stuff from Australia and brought it home to Tip. But I think no matter what environment in, you're in, if you're in a working environment, if you're in a community environment, going out in tidy towns, picking up rubbish, no matter what it is, if you see a person next to you putting in a great effort than what you are, 
you're going to take a look at yourself and you're going to say, oh, I have to buck up here. So that definitely is an aspect um, being around DCU. And I suppose in any college, really, like DCU is great. You have it in UCC, you have it in UL. Look, UL have won the last, I don't know how many O'Connor Cups. Like. Mm. So I think it's more so playing against these players. Um, even the league final there recently, like we got a, an awful beating from UL. So that's something that we have to learn playing against some of the best players in the country. So it's a learning curve for us, really. Yeah, because I remember the day when Tipperary won won the All Ireland final, and you were all rightfully looking delighted and celebrating. And in the back of my mind, thinking I'm delighted for them, uh, and I was delighted to see you smiling away, looking delighted with yourself on Crow Park. And I'm thinking, Jeepers, I hope they enjoy <coughs> the winter because they've got a hard year coming up. Is that yeah. would that be fair? Um, yeah, that's fair to say. Um, I suppose there's probably so much anger in us from coming back down the year before and. Look, oh great, a ragey Ashling. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it kind of frustrated me last year, people going on about Tip being down intermediate and that the relegation battle should change. It shouldn't, like, we lost We lost the matches. We, out, we were out there ourselves and we lost. We didn't get over the line, it's our own fault. We got ourselves there. It's up to us now as a group, collectively, to stay up senior. Um, but look, winning the intermediate, it was unbelievable. Um, it was great to be back up. I really enjoyed playing this year. It was so, it was so nice to win it, but last two or three minutes in the game when I kind of knew personally we had it I was kind of thinking to myself being like this is great but there's another step onto this now this is just a step and some for us hopefully hopefully in order to stay up there but are you saying you didn't even allow yourself 100% to enjoy that moment you just had that in the back of your head probably thinking. probably not being honest no um, we won it two years ago and I kind of felt I'd been there done that um, I'm kind of even no matter what it is like it's it was kind of second best for us um, it was we were obviously the best at that grade in the country, but it wasn't the be all and end all. It was great, and we really appreciated, and like it was our main aim throughout the year. But it's not me downgrading it. It's just it, we saw it as a stepping stone. If we won, it was a stepping stone for us to get up where we want to be, and then that's where the hard the hard work is going to start now. So, look, if we don't put in the hard work, it's not going to get January like you have to put in the hard work. So, it just comes without saying really. As I say, it's like going to mass, and when you're going training, you don't think of it. You just go and you put in your hard earns and come home and. Geez, you must pray hard at mass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few times that I do go to mass. <laughs> <laughs> repeats get well worn. Yeah. <laughs> Carla, now I know people look at Dublin, we all have very short memories. We're saying, oh, the Dublin ladies, they're as mighty as anyone else and nobody can beat them and they're hard to beat and look at the culture they have and look at the money and look at all that. But it's not that long ago you guys were the women bereft in Crow Park because of Cork. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said it is short-lived and people forget about it about three years losing in a row to Cork and by small margins um, and that's something we don't forget about other people may be saying oh sh you're already getting four in a row and this kind of talk but we don't forget that we had three years of really difficult years where you're questioning everything and much like Ashling, like you know yourself you're not getting there and you need to go back and look at everything and see what you're doing wrong and what do we need to change and um, you do have to th take the wins when they come and absolutely like be delighted with them and and really um enjoy them but again it comes to the start of another year and that that trophy's not ours now it's gone it's not dublin's it's it's the start of a new year come tomorrow evening at six o'clock and we have to start fighting again every every training session every match to get it back and hopefully get back to september what changed for dublin was it i i i don't accept the argument that cork got a bit weaker yes obviously teams change and that kind of stuff but dublin also kept evolving so what was the difference um, I think we did have three years of development, like through those losses, I know losses are never good but you do have to learn and if there's one thing we took out of them is every every year we lost we learned something and it mightn't have been enough for three years, we didn't learn enough one year to win the next year but 
Um, we learned and players developed, like myself, the first year I went in was my first year senior and I remember giving a ball away, Geraldine O'Flynn got it, put it over the bar and Cork won by a point. So those oh. things... How do you recover from that? Yeah, that's those me, things... That's me in the league last year. <laughs> <laughs> like those things stick with you is exactly what, you just have to learn from them, you have to know that every ball you give away, as Ashley was saying, they either end up, the, the good teams, they end up as a score, they end up as a an assist or a goal or something like that and it's just... Um, taking those learnings and moving forward. And when that happened, just use that as an example, because <coughs> I mean, nobody's perfect. Even the best player in the world at any sport will make a mistake and things happen. Like, did you go in the dressing room? Were you apologising? Were people giving out to you? Was it forgotten about? How did you guys deal with stuff like that? Um, no, when you go in that dressing room in September, nobody's speaking if, if you're on the other side of the coin. Um, there was no, when in September, those three years, you just go into the dressing room and I suppose there's girls crying or their hands in their heads and, there's not really anyone can say to you. I don't think anyone ever pointed blame at any single player or manager or anything like that. We were never like that. Um, you just have to learn to to live with it and not make that mistake again. And yes, you do make the mistakes, but I suppose minimising them um, and seeing what you can do to ensure they don't happen again. And when does that gnaw go away? I can only imagine if that was me, I'd be thinking about and brooding about it. I, like, can you yeah, remember? It <laughs> do you still think about yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't. Now? Every year I can pick different things out of different finals that I would have done wrong. Uh, my second year, I was on freeze. I missed two freeze and we lost by two points. So those are things that you have to... You have to just keep them with you and also learn to move forward with them. And when I'm in schools talking to girls, I do tell them you can't be too hard on yourself. As much as you do need to remember them and recall them, you also have to remind yourself of what you have achieved. And to be a free taker was a big, a big deal for me. So you have to, um, I suppose, praise yourself on those small steps and, and just learn and move on. Um, when we're talking about the All-Ireland Finals, um, it was a horrible day. Actually, the day got worse as it went on. I think you had some sunshine, Ashling, when you won. But by the time Dublin and Galway came out, the day had gone completely miserable. But, uh, Lynn, I suppose it might be a good time to ask, because you obviously watched it from a neutral point of view, so to speak. It was an odd final, wasn't it? We built it up to a lot. It Did was, it? yeah. Um, For those yeah. who don't remember, it was it nearly went to half time before score went over the bar. I remember looking at it myself, yeah, just going, somebody, somebody score, somebody score, <laughs> score. anybody at this stage score. Um, but yeah, it was an odd sort of a final. But saying that, like, I think the the condition, everything of the athletes now is just it's exceptional, and like it nearly becomes and. I think for the last number, like it's known as a free-flowing game, and I think it it still is. But on days like that, sometimes tactics take over in a way, and that here we just need to get to the end of the line here, um, in relation to days like that. And maybe that's what happened on that day. There was yeah. quite a lot of defensive work, mm -hmm. and you also have to you also have to praise the defenses that were there. Like I mean, they were throwing their bodies where you wouldn't have thrown your feet or anything at it. But it was a very strange day, and I suppose particularly because one of the compliments that's been given of the sport is how free-flowing it is and, and the high scoring. Um, but if you look overall at, at the games throughout the year, yes, you do want your pinnacle to be one of high scoring, and, and it wasn't necessarily, but there was exceptional football throughout the year, last okay. year, and hopefully with the new structures in place this year, it's yeah. going to bring more of can, those. Can you explain that to us? Because I was looking at it and when you don't know, see it written in a piece of paper, it doesn't make as much sense as when somebody's saying it out loud. Probably throw myself into the, into the works here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the change has been made that there's two groups of six. Um, so there'll be more games, which I think is something that the, the players have asked mm. for instead of um, 
suppose more training sessions that there was more times to play a higher calibre um, of player at, at all times so we should be seeing a lot more real high standard football um, throughout the summer which I think is important again going back to girls being able to see see their heroes and everything else um, but it'll only be the top two on each side that will go to semi-finals so it'll be a bitter uh, okay. fight to the finish. That's what I was wondering at the end yeah. I wasn't sure so it's literally just the top two and the side. bottom two will be in the relegation playoff so mm. Um, every team should be in it till the end. Now, it's hard to know until it's played. Like everything else, I think we've been innovative to try and try new things. Mm. Will it work? We don't know. But if you don't try, you never find out. Because the way, now obviously, Carla, you're going to tell me what every athlete tells me. We pay no attention to media in the run-up of a big game. But all the talk was coming up to that final was that more than likely Dublin would go into fifth gear and they would outpace Galway and put points over the bar, especially you, because you like your free-flowing football and you like giving a little bit of space. You didn't get the space on the day. Was that because that Dublin just maybe were put off a bit by the weather or the experience or just having an off day? Or was it that Galway didn't let you play the kind of football? Because even Galway played a style we weren't used to seeing them, which was kind of dour. Yeah, I think the whole day it, we definitely didn't play it, and I don't think it was a reflect the the best reflection on what ladies football has been. I think we've been playing absolutely unbelievable games. Every team across the country and the two previous All Ireland finals were unbelievable uh, spectacles. I think the weather was a massive part of it, and then as well, you have to give credit to the Galway defence. When the weather is already wet and slippy, it's hard enough. You have to slow things down to get the ball. You can't concentrate on what you're thinking of doing next. You have to just concentrate on catching the ball. And then the defending that Galway was doing and the players that they had, they were just, every ball they had, they wanted to get a hand in or get a touch in and that was making it even slower. And then when that when that happens, we have to also, I suppose, change our game. You can't just keep going with a game plan if it's not going to work on that given day. So I don't think it consciously happened. We didn't say, well, we're going to go out and set up defensively. We're, we'd never change our game plan on the day of a game. But it probably did happen a bit that it just had to go to that bit of a, it was going to be a messy day, a, a day in the dirt kind of thing and that's just what you had to do to get over the line. Uh, just a quick reminder here to anybody tuning in, uh, you can text us on 53106 or tweet us at Off The Ball or come to us at any of our social channels. We are all over the place when it comes to social. And just a quick reminder that this is the Lidl LGFA panel and today's show is brought to you by Lidl, proud support supporters of women in sport and the 20 by 20 campaign. Um, one great success of ladies football, Ashing. I don't know if you've ever been tempted yourself, Australia. Lots of them going out. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Australia, there is lots going out and to be honest, I t it'd be interesting now to see with the league, um, is it going to take a bit of, is the standard going to drop a bit? Mm. Um, but Australia, me, yeah, um, I have been asked a few times, but look, it's not, it's not right time for me at my college and stuff like that. So it's not something I'm really looking at. That's <coughs> the thing, isn't it, Lynn? Because the Australia thing, well, in one sense you look at it and you go, isn't it great that they're coming to us, that our players are such great calibre? But on the other hand, like we just mentioned, the league in particular, we might see it might affect it or might not. We don't know. Yeah, like it's it's difficult to say. I was out there, um, I think, May 12 months ago and I actually visited the AFL headquarters up before the women's um, had started. Oh, so you opened the door. You don't get the blame now. Um, but it was just to see, I suppose, the structures one. and everything. <laughs> but like for ourselves, I know people have been critical of us maybe retweeting fabulous scores from some of the players and stuff in Australia. But why would you? But I you? mean, we, we have to because there's still players who are coming back to play in our sport and it's so important that we create an environment that they feel extremely welcome um, to come back into it. I'm sorry, anyone who says they wouldn't take that opportunity if they got it, um, 
is lying through their teeth because it's it's a professional or semi-professional chance to go away for a number of months. I suppose with the difficult he will come in is if they do extend the season mm. and it starts to overlap into the championship. I think it's it's not that it'll be a difficulty on us, but I think it's going to be a challenge on players deciding are they going to go or not. And that has been something that some of the players who have gone have said to us and that yes, they're missing the league and the league's important to them, but they would hate to be missing the championship. Um, so I do think if the AFL, if AFLW season extends, I think it's going to be a harder question probably posed on players as to will it now fit into their schedules because a lot of them are so committed to their counties here and I mean their county jersey is, it's like for international athletes wearing their um, yeah. international vest, their county jersey is the high standard they have here and a lot of them don't want to miss that. Um, so it'll, I think it'll be questions on them as to whether they want to give that up if the season does extend at the minute it's working in that they're, they're getting to both. But I do agree with the league. It's tough on a number of counties that are maybe missing a number of players. Um, if you think even club-wise as well, the two Kellys, for instance, gone from their mm. club. Um, I mean, that's that's tough <laughs> for a number of clubs. But as I said, it, it is opportunities. There's players going and playing other sports that aren't AFLW. They're on soccer scholarships or whatever. I think the fact that so many have gone through this is, is why it's hitting the headlines. But um, for ourselves, really hope the players do really well and come back injury-free, ready for the championship is the big thing. Well, that's it. If you had a deep panel, I'd be thinking, now again, not every county has that luxury, but if you had a deep panel, you might say, let them off for the league. They're getting conditioned, they're getting stronger, they're being full-time athletes. So long, touch wood, as they come back with no injuries, I'll have this refined machine coming in for championship. Is that too simplistic? Yeah, if, if it was that simple, I suppose yeah. it'd be easy. But um, I suppose for, for counties, I know my own county, I'm going to go back to Loud now, I seen you just slagged them earlier. Um, but exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kate Flood is obviously a massive loss yeah. for Loud for, for um, the league. But what an opportunity for a player from Loud to get over and play AFLW as well. So I suppose it's trying to see it both ways. But yeah, hopefully Kate will come back stronger than ever and, and bring Loud into the next level, which is intermediate for them because They've really struggled any time they've gone up there. So yes, hopefully the counties will utilise it and I suppose welcome these players with open arms to get them up another level when it comes to the championship. But the, for some counties, it'll be a bigger struggle than others. I fully agree with that. Would Carla, would you be tempted to ever go or would you be tempted if somebody came to you and said, I want you to do ice skating for six months, you're going to be a professional <coughs> athlete, I'm going to do a Kevin Kilban on it or something. Would you ever be tempted to try another sport if it was dangled in front of you in that kind of nice lifestyle, sunshine, a full-time athlete, no having to work? Um, well, you are working, but just not work work. Yeah, I think <laughs> right now, currently, no. I don't think it's something I'd say no to in the future. Uh, but just personally, I wouldn't be interested now. And the fact that at Dublin, we saw how long it can take to go and win and that the heartache and the pain it does bring. Um, so while you're winning and while your county is doing well, I think I'll fully commit to that to make sure that it, it mightn't come again. We might not win uh, another All-Ireland for another, I don't know how many years I mightn't see another one for my whole career. So while it's there, I think I'll put my 100% in there and then What's left after that, I might see if, if it was an option and then go from there. And those who watch Dublin play football will say, oh, come on now, Carly, you have a few more. But listen, you've committed to being here till six o'clock <laughs> anyway. We don't think that. We do need to take a break, <laughs> uh, but stay with us. We're going to come back to more of our Lidl LGFA panel.
special here and we're currently in the middle of our Lidl LGFA panel. Just to bring you up to date, uh, Chris Jones has scored for Liverpool in the Merseyside Derby. It's currently 1-0. He scored there in the 72nd minute, so not much FA Cup magic to be seen so far this afternoon. But speaking of magic, if you're from Tipperary, there might be some magic. Uh, Boris Lee have won their All-Ireland semi-final against St Thomas's, and uh, Valerie Wheeler was there for us. It's full time here at the LIT Gaelic Grounds. St. Thomas has won a 14, a Barcelona won a 21. In front of an attendance of 4,192, Barcelona are through to the All-Ireland Senior Club Championship final. Heading in at halftime with two points up made them grow in confidence as they returned from halftime by adding an additional one goal and ten points to the sides tally. In the 10th minute, sides were level as Dara Burke fired a long range go at the post and popped it over making it 110 to 13 points. Shortly after St Thomas's were awarded a free for Darabark to stand over and take his team one point ahead. It was tit for tat in the second half as Brendan Maher gets his chance of free to level the sides again. With interruptions of a scared cash running riot along the goal mount of Barcelona, it didn't stop them getting five points in a row with no return from St Thomas's. A full-time whistle being blown seconds just after James Devaney rattled the back of the net to seal the deal for the Tipperary side. In the last six victories, including today's, Barcelona have been the underdogs but have denied the favourites a chance of getting their hands on an All-Ireland Final Championship since 2013. Johnny Kelly jumping for joy on the sideline as he guides his team to an All-Ireland Club Final. As it came down to the wire in the end, sending hearts racing on the sideline and in the stand, live from the Gaelic grounds in the AIB All-Ireland Senior Herb Hurling Club Championship semi-final it's St Thomas's 1-14 Barcelona 1-21 I'm Valerie Wheeler for Off the Ball there you go now we now know who's going to be in the club finals in both football and hurling speaking of football of a different code I'm joined here at the moment uh, by our Lidl LGFA panel I'm joined amongst them by Ashley Maloney from Tipperary as we were on the break they were watching the goal going in uh, Liverpool and Everton you're not a big football fan when it comes to like, soccer football soccer not football yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I can't I can't really watch it to be honest it wouldn't be my cup of tea but I was saying they're mad they seem like mad soccer fans here but if I was really sucked now I'd sit down but I'd have what would make you watch it now? If there was nothing else on television. If it was, say, Champions League and Coronation Street, what wins? Oh, Champions League, it have to be. Okay, so Coronation Street is worse than the worst. Yeah, that's very bad. Okay, <laughs> and if it was, just so I'm getting at your level here. So what if it was an old Gaelic football game being shown? It's like GA Gold on TG Cahar or Champions League. What are you watching? Uh, the old GA Gold. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Were you always that way? Yeah, always. I when I was younger, I um I used to think I used to support Manchester United, but I never really did. It was just kind of everyone in class did, so I did. But no, I can't. I never really have had much interest in it. So when you say you used to think, how does that? <laughs> how do you think you support a team? I think it was the like, team was the problem. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't. It was, it was kind of you know the thing to do when you're in primary school. Like let's you know everyone talks about Chelsea, and I thought I was Man United, but I wasn't really the diehard fan. I kind of had the jersey, knew a bit, but they didn't know a great amount, kind of. Hey, <laughs> I think that's called a bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> bandwagon yeah. Speaking of bandwagons, uh, Dublin ladies football. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> you're bringing out lots of fans, but also just the, your reactions there. So I'm guessing, Lynn, you must be a Liverpool fan. Carla, you Man United fan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys go to games? Yeah, I'm 
anybody that knows me knows I'm Liverpool crazy. So uh, when that goal went in, just as Karen was speaking, I nearly jumped off the chair. Yeah, but, I saw uh, Lynn kind of doing a weird <laughs> conniption movement there. I didn't know what was going on. So that's what it was, was the goal That's what it was, in. it was the goal, yeah. I thought she was listening intently to me, but it's just because the TV is over my left shoulder. <laughs> so, and would you go, you, uh, Carla, would you go to games as well? Or? Uh, I've gone to a few Man United games, yeah. The... The games have gone would be January, February kind of time and we're back training then so kind of you have to go with training. Uh, if they fall on certain days though, you'd be able to go go fly across and come back. Me and a couple of the girls, um, one of the girls, her, she has an apartment over there in Manchester so it suits perfectly. Oh brilliant. So yeah. Lynn, are you one of those Liverpool fans that even though they're miles ahead of everyone else in the Premier League that you're convinced something atrocious and terrible is going to happen and they're going to lose it? I'm not convinced they're going to lose it but I'm not going to say they're going to win it. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm fairly confident now. Um, Everything's ready for the end of the season. Um, we have flights and everything booked, but done the same last year. Um, <laughs> but no, I think they're they're playing really well at the minute. So fingers crossed. But I'm not going to blow our own trumpet yet. Actually, do you even know where Liverpool are in the league? No, I pay no attention to any of it. They're first. I I don't even know what the Champions League is or any of that. I don't really know. I have it's I like think we need to do a special yeah. segment with Ashley Maloney who watches, <laughs> watches Champions League and just get her reactions of Gogglebox. Nothing but cursing at the TV. <laughs> Speaking of cursing, that's a good place to bring things back to. We are here talking, obviously, the Lidl LGFA uh, panel. Um, I think we're at the stage now we need to stop calling nearly ladies football, ladies football. It is football. But by the same token, that means we have to hold you guys to a higher standard, which means if you play poorly, we need to call you out and things like that. Things that possibly weren't happening in women's sports because... One, people weren't watching it or not the crowds they were. And also, we just didn't expect a high standard. We do now. Do you guys feel that when you're playing? Um, well, first of all, I think if we want to get to equality level, I think if we're playing a game, there should be a right for us to be criticised. I think just because we're women, um, I don't think we should be sugar-coated. Um, if the level, well, in the last few years, in the last two years in particular, the level of football has increased. So I think if we want to get on par of where the men's are and want to get rid of, like, the difference between men and women. Um, we are playing at kind of, well said, if we are set to be playing at the same level that they are and doing the same things, well then we rightly should be criticised as well. And I feel once criticism kind of probably does come in amongst journalists and stuff like that, I feel it'll start putting things on a more level playing field. Personally, I don't like seeing, <laughs> I wouldn't like seeing criticism, but I just think that it should be allowed. Yeah, not that, not that it should well. be allowed. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it should be allowed. Like I'm not saying it's an okay thing to do. But I think that, I just think women are kind of inclined to say, do you know, if there's criticism involved, it's kind of, do you know, they don't really like it. It's frowned upon. Frowned upon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, That's you're changing though, right I think. Yeah, I yeah. think it's, it's definitely needed. Um, like, you know, you're you, agreeing with me. I yes, thought yeah. I was <laughs> I completely disagree. The way you're looking at me. <laughs> like you see if uh, rugby teams or Leinster that go out and let's say Rob Kearney in the positions with Ireland, they're, it's called out and everyone knows about it and it's not that elephant in a room whereas you might after the All-Ireland Finals or whatever it might be that oh it was a great match and it was this when really it wasn't a great match and it's okay for it to be said because everyone is saying it mm. so it may as well be put there on paper. I also think then it improves the standard like if, as a player, I know I wouldn't want to open a newspaper and see well, Carla Rowe didn't have one of her a good game. The next day you'd be saying, well, I'm not going to allow that to happen again. So You probably already know it, though, when yeah, you've had you a bad day at the it. office. Absolutely. Oh, sure, we're the, well, I'm definitely my biggest critic. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I'd know myself, but I do think it's no harm having it saying out on paper or the fact that someone played really well. And if you did play really well, everyone knows that, well, she must have because they don't just tell people 
she plays well when actually it was a, it was decent. It wasn't brilliant. Yeah, kind of sugarcoating. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's something we've seen, Lynn, over the, just even the last two or three years, because there's more journalists going to these games, we know a bit more now about the players and we know actually she's having an off day, whereas somebody else might come on, wow, look at that woman, solo that ball. That day's gone now, so that means when Carla makes that mistake and Jordan Flynn grabs the ball, that's going to be talked about. Yeah, and I think it's it's driving the players forward and, as, as you say, probably the fact that more journalists there. Um, like for years, we would pay a journalist to be there to distribute the reports to all the newspapers. And in fairness, we still continue to do that with National League and everything because there's no one else on us to get the reports out there. But if you have eight, ten journalists or more sitting discussing the game and coming up with their own ideas on it, well, then you get a fairer reflection rather than the one report going out and all the newspapers picking it up and, mm. and putting their own spiel on it. So I think it is, I think the players want it. They want to know well, treat us the way it is. But I think equally, um, media-wise, like we've seen a huge increase in media over the last um, year or two, and even with, with off the ball yourselves and off the bench, um, with, with the media comes increased pressure on the players to want to put themselves up on that pedestal. But I think for, with increased media also, it's, it's to make sure that stuff doesn't go in the media just when something goes wrong. Um, that was going to be my next thing. That's kind of what happens a lot of the time. We hear things like the Carnacon controversy, the Phantom Point controversy, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And Carla looks nervously down on the floor. <laughs> but that kind of thing, if there was a time, the only time we heard about ladies football was if there was a, a kind of a good gossip to be told. It is, and it, and it can be frustrating, being honest. Um, and like even this year, um, things like, oh, they have a camera person telling them when a player should be sin bin oh, or whatever. Yes. But like we, we went out and said in our rules at Congress, we actually put in a rule about a score assistant, which helps with scores only. And yes, coming from um, the point and, and taking feedback on it. I mean, we had to learn, we had to be innovative and come up with something that there's not a Hawkeye in every pitch in the country. But when TG Cahar's there broadcasting live, there is live cameras. Mm. So we have somebody who's in um, the van with um, Nemeton and TG Cahar who can help with scores, but scores only. So I suppose it was frustrating because then in the media it was taken going, we had people for helping out with other um, yes. fouls and everything else, which is not the case at all. They do not speak on the microphone at all, no. apart from the scores. So No, and I think if people who are knowledgeable were there talking that day, that possibly wouldn't have gone that's out, it. but it comes with knowledge and yeah. being there. So it's to, get, it's to get the good stuff. When that was put in about the score assistant, I mean, if that had to get the coverage it deserved, because that was a really innovative thing mm. to do, well then it might not have been confusion throughout the year Absolutely. as to what that person was doing. So that's what I mean about, like, there's so much good stuff um, being done and like even the programmes the girls are going around the schools with at the minute, like, it's phenomenal the time they're given to try and help teenagers um, through the Lidl Series Support Programme. So, like, it's those good stories that if we can get them out as well, so both on and off the pitch, <coughs> that there's, there's good stories. And, yes, criticise when it needs to be criticised because that's the only thing that will make us better. But I think one point, actually, that I think people watching all kinds of Gaelic games would love more was done, which is the fact that you guys have an assistant in the van. So, for scoring, because, like you said, Hawkeye exists only, what, in two stadiums? So, therefore, why not have this person in the van when you have the live TV there? Wouldn't you love when you're watching some games over the summer when men are playing and you see something's clearly a score and somebody waves it wide? And sometimes it can happen because of an angle. You know, you're just, you're not at the right angle, but the camera is. Whereas ladies football actually has that. So you know the phantom point, for example, isn't going to happen anymore if the cameras are there. Yeah, and like it's, it's not infallible either because the angles can be mm. tough. I've sat in the van myself, I got myself out of there fairly swiftly. Um, <laughs> couldn't take the heat, no. But at least there's a few more angles. And like at the end of the day, 
if, like you girls are back training now. So if you're going to get knocked out of a championship because of something that could have been easily looked at on a screen or something, well then I think the players are grateful for as many helps as possible. How long does it take if you, if say, if you need to go to an assistant in a van? How long does it take? So straight, well, if it's very obvious, straight away. Um, okay. If it's a case that the umpires weren't sure, as the referee is running towards the umpires, because they will still use the the previous mm -hmm. and chat to the umpires, that person in the camera will be looking at a screen replays with TG Car because they're actually sitting in the van. Yeah. So as soon as possible is the thing. It hasn't taken very long at all so, so far. You don't buy the argument then that it could slow down play because I know that's been part of the discussion in other sports and other Gaelic games as well. Oh, it could slow things down too much. You it, guys haven't found that it has. It could certainly slow it down if it was going to be for every call, but it's not. It's literally for the ones that are not obvious or that clearly were waved wide that should have been a point or the opposite way around which later on could end up knocking somebody out of a mm. championship. And who calls that then? Is it that the person in the van has called it or does the referee ask for assistance? So if it's seen that a mistake was made by the officials, the person in the van will call the referee to a halt. But the other way around, if the referee or the officials aren't sure, they can call the score assistant to start replaying over it in the van okay, and so then report back in. So they can do an Nigel Owens on it, basically. Yeah. They can stand there and call... TMO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but We're it's literally for scores only and that, that's the real important part of it. Yeah, and that must be reassuring. I mean, Carla, I, I hate to bring up old wounds again. God love you, you're getting a lot of them this hour. But <laughs> yes. knowing that stuff like that is going to be really much alleviated because ladies football is taking on technology on board and moving quickly with the times, probably quicker than most sports. Absolutely. Um, I say going into schools, the ladies Gaelic football is it's just growing and developing rapidly and it's brilliant for young girls coming up and even ourselves. Um, like the, the opportunities and the facilities that are there for them is just fantastic and I know that the point thing happened but something like that has to happen in order for development to happen or to take place. So at the time, yes, it's a bad thing, but I think it definitely hugely improved the game and it will help out even referees and umpires feeling that pressure that if this team gets knocked out because I called a wrong wide, mm. they also get that help, which is important. Yeah, I sometimes wonder perhaps the person who made that call probably finds it harder to live with than the person who suffered from it. Absolutely. I, I know I've spoke to the referee that was refereeing that game and we joke about it now and um, we were playing the Interpros last year and he waved one of my points wide, which was wide. <laughs> but I was slagging him saying, are you sure now that was wide? You know, you owe me one. And it, he was like, it'll be a massive help to them knowing that pressure is relieved. Ashling, speaking of pressure now, like I said, you're up senior, you're playing senior hurling now, as they say, you know, with those senior football. But like when you're not watching Champions League and when you're not watching Liverpool, the training now, because you're going into senior, is it going to change and evolve for you? Um, yeah, it certainly is. Obviously, it's going to be stepped up a bit um, in terms of management and whatever they got to do. Like um, we've got to look at ourselves and obviously set standards and the management team also obviously have to do whatever they've got to do to increase the standard as well. But I think it comes without saying, like, um, whatever you do in life, you know, if you're getting into a higher job, it's obviously going to take a lot more work. And we want to be there. We are we want to be now. So we've no, we've no problems with giving that extra effort to try to stay up now next year and um, stay there and not end up, end up back down into media again. So it's, it kind of comes without saying we don't really hesitate or blink an eye to it. I remember it might have been two years ago we were working on a Lidl roadshow together and you spoke about how you kind of thought maybe you might give up football but your parents kept you in it. I'd say the days when you thought you might give it up, you must look back and then now be so thankful that you were kept there. Yeah, I did. I suppose all of us, I suppose Carla can even elaborate, all of us go through times where you're kind of half thinking, do you know, will I stay, will I go? Um, it takes an awful lot of commitment but at the end of the day we're choosing to be there ourselves. 
Um, I remember that time actually, I remember that time when I was deciding to pack it in. I was, I had just come from a five month injury and I was my own person. I could, didn't have to go training, I could do what I wanted, didn't have to answer to anyone and I kind of got a sense of this and started to like it and I suppose one of my friends literally made me get up on a treadmill one day and she made me run and I got that feeling of exercise again and I suppose look, it would probably, ever since that I haven't looked back um, I haven't had a situation like that since, so um, you do, but I think everyone goes through that. I think all sports, it's like work. I'm sure everyone goes into work. You're not going to love work every day, and it's the same with football, especially when you're not getting paid first. You know, it's it's an added extra kind of on top of whatever else is going in on their lives. But I think it's great, though. Um, we've all got, I'm sitting here now with two other people. You've got stuff going on in your lives I don't know about, but we're sitting here joking and laughing about football, and that's the good thing that we get out of it, and I suppose that's an outlet for people. Um, for people on, I know my team as well, they, it's an outlet for them to so you're going out punching a boxing bag, going out kicking a ball around the field. So it's amazing what it can do. Glad she, I don't train with you punching <laughs> a boxing bag. <laughs> it's amazing what it can do for people, but any sport really, if it's, I see my parents at home, they go out dancing and that keeps them, keeps yeah. them ticking over. We all need something to tick us over in our lives and football is just something that ticks me over. So And definitely the way the world is moving now, girls thankfully have a bit more equality in that you're given the option, like you said, to do something to keep ticking over that possibly we didn't have even in my generation. I'm not that much older than you. But Carla, I'm assuming, uh, call this maybe me making an assumption that's not true, but I'm assuming when you're winning it's easier to go to training when, like Ashley said, you might be coming back from an injury or you're just not feeling it. Yeah, when you're, I suppose when you're playing in the summer, you're winning, but so are all the other teams. It is easier to go back or to make that decision come the winter, come October, November, December, when I, those demons are there if you're after losing. There's many days where you'd sit at home and say, oh, you know, I just think I'll leave this year, or I'll go travelling, I'll do these things that my other friends are doing. When you are winning, you do, we appreciate those days and we know we'll get back and just get back and do it again and see if we can um, get that win again. So. It is a little bit easier, but when you're in the middle of the season, everyone is on that level par. You're not winning or losing a championship uh, as of yet, so you just it's just normal. Everyone has to go training and work hard. And as well as that, yeah, you've no choice, but like you just said, you're a support system for each other as well. Yeah, um, I just think it's, I not even in football, it's anything. Um, jogging, walking, running. I always say it even to my little cousins, to the parents, just get them involved, in, even if it's Irish dancing, get them involved in something. Because um, I think even with everything that's going on in the younger generation these days, there's there's too much going on between social media and everyone, you walk you walk into a school and everyone's wearing the same jacket. You know, it's, it's trying to be like each other and no one's just being unique and being themselves. So. I think in football, you kind of everyone's on the same level playing field, and everyone has the same way of thinking. I personally find I automatically click with someone. I mightn't even know they play GA or whatever, and I automatically click with someone because I can. It's like as if it's a it's a relation. You don't even you haven't even spoken to them, but you can just relate to them. But yeah, no, it's brilliant, and I suppose it's obviously massive talk these days with mental health and stuff like that. So it's a big thing, and it's great to see the younger girls getting involved in ladies football. It might be a bit of a deep question, but where do you think, when do you, did you find yourself that you, you were saying, you know, kids all wearing the same clothes and talking the same way and, you know, we all have our own uniqueness. When do you think you were comfy with being Ashling? That was a, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Uh, <laughs> find it. Never, yeah, just about now. Um, I think sport kind of, I think sport in general makes you find that, that position, but um, growing up I was such an independent person. I was daddy's girl, I loved being at home with mum and dad and I suppose 
growing up along um, in school, I probably witnessed all this going on. I wasn't that kind of person who was inclined. So I'm kind of, I don't know if it came from my parents or where it came from, but I was kind of my own person. But I did see my other friends and so fall into that bracket of all that now. And, but I don't actually know. <laughs> I don't know when it actually... Sport probably helps though. Yeah, sport definitely helps. Um, I suppose even all my friends, even if I look at all my friends and my closest friends, like they're all the same playing field as what I am like the same we're all the same kind of on par so yeah. yeah I mean it is we're still in the whole New Year's buzz and we have to wrap this conversation up it's a shame so I keep talking to you all evening but since it is New Year's obviously we both know your resolution is to or your target would be to try to win the All-Ireland final but outside of football <coughs> all three of you what are your targets for this year? I'll let them go first. Lynn you can start <laughs> I need to have a think. <laughs> <laughs> both of them are going for Crow Park in the end of it. Um, yeah, well, for, for ourselves, it's an exciting year. Obviously, 20 by 20 is going to bring women's sport and sport, as we mentioned earlier, to a new level. Um, we have exciting programmes with the Lidl Serious Support Programme going into the schools. Um, we have one good club with Jigsaw Ireland and Lidl, um, which will bring youth mental health to the fore in the clubs across the country as well. Um, along with all our current initiatives of Get It For Girls, Get It For Teens and everything else. So it's a busy <laughs> year ahead. Um, we're, I suppose, providing some training PR-wise as well for our players because we're conscious that with 20 by 20 is going to be, I suppose, media wanting to talk to them and everything. So it's important we give them the skill set. But yeah, just really hoping for another exciting year of football. And See, who knows? managed to avoid saying, you know, nothing to do with herself. Nothing just to football, do with herself. Football, football. Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool are going to win the Premiership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you never know. These two could meet along the way and it could be a, a battle that we have to get. I'll have to sit in the middle of them again. <laughs> and aside from the fighting with each other, uh, ladies, Ashling and uh, Carla, what's the, what's on, the Carla, plan for the year? I think around f uh, when you're playing county, I suppose a lot of your life is football. So um, as Lynn was saying, I'm doing the programme in the schools, the hashtag serious poor programme, and it's brilliant getting in to see young girls. And it's that, as Ashing was saying, trying to keep them in sport. We all have had those feelings where you, you're feeling really bad or you had a bad day and you just don't want to do anything and someone pushes it or says, go, go on, go to training, and you come back with a smile on your face. And um, the programme is just about keeping girls in sport and, and in Gaelic football if possible and trying to increase them or maintain them there. And I did a pledge for the 2020 campaign at the start of this year that I do a bit more coaching um, for young teams around the place. And I had a few tweets and stuff replying, it'd be great to get you back. So I think one of my goals this year will be um, to go and do that bit of coaching with a few teams around the place. Great. And yourself, Ashley, last word to you, who else? Uh. <laughs> Um, yeah, I suppose something that Carla said there, maybe go back to my own club and help out in the underage structure and stuff like that. So it's all, we're all football mad, football crazy in here, so I'm going to yeah. keep it football. When you live like football, <laughs> in fairness, football happens and then you slot everything else in kind of around it. So thank you very much, ladies, for coming in. It's been a joy to have you here for the last hour. Speaking of football, Ashling, I know you're dying to find this out. The full-time score actually did end Liverpool 1, Everton 0. That was that goal in the 72nd minute from Curtis Jones. Coming up, we'll be chatting to Leinster Rugby's Han O'Connor. We'll also hear from both All-Ireland Club hurling semi-finals. Lots more to come. Stay tuned.